worried about, um, the more I'm excited about what God has to say, the more I do this. So I was going to, I want to start out with talking about one of my favorite books that I, my mom used to read to me, and I kind of forgot about that. And when I read it, I thought it was this amazing book. I kind of forgot that my mom was the one who turned me on to it. It was a book that I highly recommend. Maybe some of you read it, maybe not. It's called God Smuggler. It's by a guy named Brother Andrew. And God Smuggler is this book about this about this guy born in, I think, 1920-something. And he comes to Christ, and he, he gives his life to bringing Bibles into Eastern Europe. And Eastern Europe, post-World War II, is closed off from the rest of the world. They're communistic. They're the church is controlled by the government. And so he gives his life to bringing by smuggling Bibles in. He's breaking the law, but he's obeying God's law to bring the word to people. And in, in one in the book he says in one country, he said, I if I with ten Bibles, I could have bought a brand new motorcycle. Because that's how much they cost. And then in another country he went to, he said, he went to a church there and he said the pastor didn't even have his own Bible. He shared a Bible with the rest of the church. So he would often be preaching without having a Bible to prepare. And so he saw this great need for God's word. He went to this another church and there they had they had one Bible and they had split it up. They had split all 66 books apart and they would secretly swap them. Through, secretly swap them with each other so that they could all read the word. And so the reason I bring this up is because we're going to talk about the importance of God's word and God's law tonight. And Brother Andrew realized how important it was for people to have his law and have his word, and he was willing to risk his life to bring people Bibles. And his, his greatest, or his probably his crowning achievement was he smuggled, he was able to smuggle one million Bibles into China in, I think, 1981, which is not that long ago. And maybe you guys know, but even now, uh, it is illegal to sell Bibles online in China. China heavily controls and regulates who has Bibles and who doesn't. And so, I'm going to get into uh, 1 Kings 9. Lord, just thank you for your word that is speaking to us. It's just like our message tonight. God comes to Solomon and speaks to him. God, we thank you for this precious gift of your word. That is you speaking straight to us and to our hearts. Lord, we thank you. You guys can read with me 1 Kings 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that he desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. As for you, if you walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all I have commanded you, keeping my statutes and rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commands and my statutes that I have set before you, 
but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight. Israel will become a proverb and a byword among the people, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus this land and this house? And they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all his disasters on them. I want to focus on three things in this message from God to Solomon. One is that God has expectations for his people. He has expectations for you and for me. And expectations for Israel and Solomon. God has a judgment. God has um, a judgment for breaking those expectations. And then the third point is God's blessing, God's reward for obeying Him. So God's expectations, verse 4. If you walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, now, Doing all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. So this is the second of three times that God will appear to Solomon. Maybe you guys remember the first. The first was uh, when he had first become king and God appeared to him at Gideon. And so this is the second time. And these, God gave these very, very similar instructions to Solomon the first time. And David, Solomon's father David even gave him very similar instructions as he was dying and handing off the throne, handing off the crown to Solomon. And this, these instructions, for some of you might know, these are this is very very similar theme. God gives these instructions to all of the leaders of Israel throughout the Old Testament: Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Saul, David, Solomon, right, Joshua. Right, it's, it's sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament of God reminding his people of his law out of love for them, reminding them to obey it, reminding them to heed it, to follow it. David puts it, David puts his law this way in Psalm 19. Colin touched on this last week. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. This is where my title came from, Better Than Gold. David says that God's word is better than gold. It's better than the treasures of the world. And so I got inspired and I brought, I brought some gold. Tonight. This is a gold coin. I'm going to pass this. Why you guys can pass this around and look at it? Um, some of you probably know more about it than others. Um, but when you look at it, this gold has symbolized. It has tremendous power. When you look at it and feel it and see it, you, you desire it. It's like the ring. It's like the ring. You want it. You desire it. 
it speaks to your heart. It speaks to your sin. And so there's, David is saying, desire my word, delight in God's word more than the bold of the world. And if you've been tracking along with our series, you know that in chapter 3, Solomon did that. He delighted in God more than gold. God said, I will give you anything you ask. And he asked God for discernment to rule his people. He doesn't ask God for gold. He doesn't ask God for riches. And God was so pleased with his request that he says, I'm going to give you, not only will I give you discernment, I will give you more riches and more wisdom than any man will ever have. So God is so pleased with his, with his son Solomon in chapter 3 that he richly blesses him. David is reminding us as we seek to delight in God's law that these things will pass. This gold coin, this temple, this, this church, all these things of this world will pass. But these but what God's word is what will last. God's word is worthy of a lifetime of devotion. So we've touched a little bit um, just on God's expectations, God's expecting our, our attitude toward his law, God's expectations for us. Now we're going to transition to God's punishment for, for disobedience, God's warning to Solomon. Verse 6. But if you or your descendants turn away from me, and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you, and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them. I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will become a byword and object of ridicule. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and this temple? People will answer, They have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. You can see that God's punishment is a much bigger section, a bigger section here um, than God's expectation. Um, God makes his judgment clear and it is a cutting off, it's a cutting off of the people from him. I'm remembering back in our series to chapter 3, God warning Solomon the cost, the cost of disobeying him. And in chapter 3, Solomon heeds, he heeds that warning. He fears God. He acts to obey God's law to such a degree that he ex Solomon executes God's judgment over the people and establishing his throne. First, he executes it over Adonijah. Remember, we spent a good spent a good section of time talking about Adonijah. And Adonijah attempted, Adonijah coveted the throne. He attempted to steal the throne, not once, but twice. And so God's judgment on Adonijah for 
making the kingship, for coveting it and idolatrizing it, if that's the word to use. God's judgment was death for Adonijah, and Solomon bore that death down on him. And then we had, after Adonijah, we had Joab, right? Joab, Joab, David said, Joab has sinned a great sin. Do not let him go unpunished. So Solomon, again, is fearing God enough to obey his law, and he kills Joab for taking, basically murdering his brother in time of peace. He murders in time of peace. He breaks God's law, and his punishment is death. Solomon brings you know, brings his death upon him in the temple or in the tabernacle. You guys remember that. And then we had Shimei, right? So then there was Shimei. Shimei cursed David, his father. And David said, "Don't forget about Shimei what he did to me." And so Solomon gives Shimei strict rules to follow. Do not leave the city, right? And Shimei says, "Yes, that's fair." And then he disobeys, right? Shimei thinks. His mission that he is more important than obeying Solomon, obeying God, just as he threw curses down, so he broke multiple commands. And Solomon executes God's judgment on Shimei in bringing him down, killing him. And after Shimei, there was Abiathar, right? The last, the fourth, right? Abiathar yoked himself with Adonijah. Abiathar chose to follow a man rather than to follow God. Wyathar made an idol in his heart of being partnered with Adonijah and not being partnered with God alone, not worrying about the king, letting God put the king on the throne. And so Solomon executes God's judgment on Abiathar. He banishes him. He removes him from serving God and he banishes him. An effective, not a physical death, but a spiritual death. He spared him because he had been Boy would serve his father. So in that beginning of this book, Solomon, we see he's building his kingdom on God's law. He's fearing God's law. He's obeying God's law. He's fearing God. He's obeying him. And God establishes his kingdom on the law as he's using the law as the cornerstone, as the capstone of his kingdom. And God blesses him. God showers on him all the blessings of Adam. He gives him gold in abundance, right? Fruit trees. He holds nothing back from Solomon. Wealth, horses, gold as much as he wants, women, fame, popularity, wisdom. God gives it all to him. We must heed these warnings that Solomon executed on the people. And Solomon, we're going to see, Solomon needs to heed these warnings that he, for these judgments that he executed. We see that God's, we also see that God's judgment is not just individually focused, but in this setting of Solomon, God's judgment is focused on the temple, um, it's focused on the people. The judgment is against all the nation. The judgment is specifically focused on God's presence with the people, Him removing His presence cutting himself off. And so for us, we need to think about what are, what are the idols in our life that are taking God's presence, that are removing God's presence from us. Right? He's going to... 
just like just like Adam, right? When God cursed Adam, God removes Adam from the garden. And so that's how that's how me and you are. When we're disobeying God's law, God's removing us from the garden of his presence. He's moving us away, we're moving away from the gold of his word to the gold of the world. And so we need to heed this warning. So we looked at God's what are God's expectations? How Solomon built his kingdom on those expectations. God's judgment. Solomon was an executor of God's judgment. And now God's reminding him to obey his law so that he does not get judged, which we know Solomon is going to not heed this. Solomon's going to fall into idolatry. So point number three is God is the blessing. Blessing for obedience. Verse 5. Then I will establish your throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This is the good news. This is the blessing. That you shall not lack a man on the throne that God's presence will never leave the people. And that's the blessing that God gives for obedience in this chapter. And we know that up until this point, Solomon has obeyed. Solomon has obeyed God. Solomon's been a better Adam. Right? Solomon, Solomon's been a better Adam. Solomon's been the savior for the people. But we know that that is not going to continue. Solomon brought God's blessing, as I talked about. He brought God's blessing into Israel. He took dominion over nature. He took dominion over the peoples of the earth. Right, The whole earth was serving him. The nations were serving him. They were bringing him gold, spices, jewels, animals. Everything from the corners of the earth was flocking to him, just like Noah, just like Adam. Uh, remember back in chapter 4, it says that Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and they drank, and they were happy. In truth, we all know that Solomon was not going to be the final perfect Savior for Israel. And we know that Solomon, in all of his glory and wisdom, Solomon was going to be just like us. He was going to fail. He was going to fall short of God's law. And if we remember back to the last chapter, Solomon leads this procession to the temple with the Ark of the Covenant, with God's law, he leads this procession through Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant to dedicate the temple. And God brings his presence. He brings a cloud down from heaven and he fills the temple. But we know that Solomon's going to fail and we know that there's going to be another king many years from Solomon a king who's going to uphold God's law perfectly, a king who's not going to fail the people, a king whose temple is not of this world, 
Solomon's great great grandson Jesus would also march march through the roads of Jerusalem. But instead of bearing, instead of carrying God's law into the temple, right, he's going to be carrying a wood cross outside the city up to a hill to also be dedicated. To also be dedicated. And just as the people would gather to celebrate the temple dedication, to celebrate God's presence coming down, when Jesus marched to his crucifixion, the people would gather to watch the greater king, as instead of God's presence coming down, God's presence would leave. God's presence was going to leave his son. God was going to remove presence. Just as God was warning Solomon what would happen to Israel for disobeying, that Israel would become a proverb and a byword, God was going to cast, he was going to cast Jesus out of his sight, removing his presence from his son. He would bring Jesus to ruin on the cross. Jesus will become a proverb and a byword. And even, even the soldiers at his cross would acknowledge who he was and acknowledge that he was the Son of God. Surely God was going to destroy Jesus. He was going to keep all of his judgment that he references throughout history. He's going to keep all of his judgment on Jesus, his perfect temple. And Jesus would become a heap of ruins. Just like the soldiers were astonished, people would be astonished. Just as people just as they reference that people would say, why has God done this to them? People would say the same thing. Why has God done this to his son? But God did it to his son to pour out his anger, to pour out his wrath, pour out his anger, disobedience on Jesus so that it would have to go on us. He did it so that he could keep his promise even though Solomon and David disobeyed, God would keep his promise that a son of David, a son of Solomon, would reign on the throne forever. And God would put his name on his house. God would put his name with his people forever. God's name is with each one of us. God's presence is with each one of us. promise God offers to us is a better promise than Solomon had. Um, God's promise to us is merely to accept what he did to his son. Accept that crushing, accept, accept that removing of presence. All we have to do is accept that for our law, disobedience, and we can receive the promise same promise. We can receive the promise 
and having God's presence with us for all time. I think Brother Andrew knew this. He knew that the Bible, he knew that God's promises, he knew what Jesus did on the cross, he knew that was better than gold. He knew that that was better than anything in the world. And so as you as you think tonight about Jesus, look at that gold, it's just a little tiny little coin, right? Is God's word better than the riches of the world? Is God better than the things of the world? Is God's book, is God's Bible better? Solomon knew it. Brother Andrew knew it. Many of us here strive to live our lives that way. So Brother Andrew knew it, and he was going to risk his life, he was going to leave his wife, his children, he was going to risk everything he had to bring light into darkness, bring God's word of light behind the darkness of the iron curtain, bring hope to people. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to, he wants to bring hope into the darkness of our life, hope for depression or anxiety, loneliness. There is a hope better than gold and the riches of the world. So I urge you guys tonight just to think about that in your small groups. What is God's expectation for you and how have you fallen short? And what areas of your life do you need to give to him that you might receive his blessing? in prayer. Lord, we thank you that your word is so perfect.